You're listening to Eye on the Ball with Steve Rivera. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. Behind the screen, millions of miles away, or so it feels, my guy, Tom Callahan. How are you, Tom? Not too bad, Steve. Making it through another week here. Can't believe it's, what are we, more than two-thirds of the way through April. May is around the corner. It's crazy. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, It's funny, I was just watching a video with Steve Kerr uh, talking about uh, the season and how they're operating as the season is over. I think the season was over back in December for the for the Golden State Warriors, if not earlier, given their, their injuries and all that. They're not a very good team or they were not a good team. And do you actually think that the NBA is going to return for some playoffs? You know, I think they want to. Both baseball and hockey want to come back. Major League Baseball wants to play. Um I, I think they're going to try their darndest, I think is the best thing I could possibly say about that, Steve. But I just don't know. Okay, I have two answers to this. One is that in my gut, I feel like they're going to really, really try hard to finish the season. They'll probably get something in. But I feel like the best possible call would be to just scrap the rest of the season for safety's sake and focus on how they're going to launch the next campaign. But, of course, that satisfies Nobody, fans, players, owners, nobody's happy with that. Yeah, you're well. The first thing is this is not Burger King. You're not going to make everybody happy. You just can't. And, and when does that ever happen in any situation? Um, how far along was hockey? Were they on the verge of ending their season at the time? Uh, they were. Most teams have between ten and fifteen regular season games left, which is about the same for the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, that's about right, because they start about the same and end about the same. I thought they finished way early, maybe two or three weeks. But yeah, I mean, what's the what's the regular season? That's pointless now, just so they can get some, um, they need to get some playoff games, obviously. There probably would have been uh, two weeks into it by now. I think it started maybe the 12th of April uh, when the playoffs would have started, or something like that. So the first round would have probably be almost over by now. Uh, the finals are usually in the first week of June, um, so they take a while. Obviously, uh, but I don't know. I just don't know if it's going to come back. They want to. They try to open, what, the, the first week of May, and now they pushed it back another week. We talked briefly about that, so it's hard to see what would happen. Maybe they shorten the playoff series from 7 to 5, uh, so we'll see, maybe except for the finals. Um, so we'll see. A lot of things going on. Um, the baseball still kind of talking about opening up and playing 80 to 100 games, uh, Texas being a part. Did you know that Texas had a new stadium or, is, or yeah, is getting a new stadium? Yeah, the Rangers uh, have a new ballpark. I was I was at the old ballpark at Arlington, uh, and it's I'm pretty sure being built across the parking lot from the other one, uh, and they're going to move right are into Are you talking it. which which the ballpark which old at Arlington? One in Arlington? Are you talking about? I I I lived in Dallas in the '80s, late '80s. I worked for the Dallas Morning News, and I went to the ballpark all the time. The one in Arlington, um, off the freeway, and then they built the new one. 20 years ago, 10, it seems like 20 years ago, just recently, and now they're building an even better one. Yes, they're they're getting rid of the newer one for a brand new one. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, a friend of mine's a baseball coach in Dallas, and I'm thinking, 
where where is this money coming from? Holy moly! That uh, I think it's in the north side too. I don't know if it's in Arlington, but uh, I could I'll take a call, no problem. Trent is our guy from the uh, from the FC Tucson team. This is Trent Wyland with the FC Tucson. Trent, so you you, you like destroyed the competition in this uh, USL E Cup. Uh, did you? How did that happen? So I've been playing Rocket League. That's the game that um, the whole tournament was based off of. I've been playing it for four or five years. Um, basically, every team in the USL alongside FC Tucson signed one player. Um, and I was the only one that really had any competitive experience. I actually won uh, with University of Arizona. We won the national championship in 2018 for the game and won the majority of a $75,000 prize pool. So I have the most. I had the most experience. I went in. Uh, went 19 and one and had a positive 213 goal differential over those 20 games. So I mean, it went pretty well. It went pretty well. Who would have ever thought that possible? And then you kind of like breezed through it. I know you won 4-0 over on Saturday over the weekend. Uh, you were favored to go in, and you you kind of breezed through the championship. But you, I don't think you had a close game throughout the whole tournament. No, not at all. I mean, the closest one was the semifinal, where it was. Uh, three to one in the series, and then the one game I dropped was uh, overtime game. But I ended up like the overall differential in that series was thirty four fourteen. So I mean, it really wasn't even close at the end of the day. So how does this? How, how did you get into this? And I, when uh, when Laura, Laura uh, reached out to me, I'm thinking, what is this? And, and I found it kind of interesting. When did you first learn how to do this or play this? And you obviously are pretty good at it. Uh, so, like I said before, um, Rocket League, I've been playing for four years. It's been out for about five. Uh, I've been pretty competitive with it. Like I said, won the national championship. Um, got flown out to Arlington, Texas. Been flown out to Santa Ana, California for other tournaments um, for money. Um, and then Cole Eckel, who's actually the like outreach manager at uh, FC Tucson, he, after the USLE Cup was announced, uh, basically looked up in the Tucson area. And I'm a senior at U of A, um, still living in Tucson. So he reached out to me on Twitter and uh, basically said if I wanted it, uh, they'd sign me to a like one-month temporary contract. Uh, I, I did a thing with Chapinato, one of their um, <laughs> sponsors, and basically um, did a whole thing for charity. Like The whole thing was for like the USLE Cup was basically for charity. And uh, the Food Bank of Tucson actually got a pretty sizable donation as a result of it. So that worked out in the best interest of everyone. Trent, that's very nice, very clever. Yeah, very, very nice and very clever. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I so I've got to ask you: Was this so? For those who may or may not know Rocket League, I'll describe it quickly. It's soccer with cars, um, and that that's a gross oversimplification, but it's fun. I love that game. Uh, although I play the hockey mode uh, more than I play the soccer. But let me ask you: Was this one on one, two on two, three on three? Like, how were the teams made up, or was it was it just solo, head to head? Yeah, it was all one v one. So I mean. Since I was the only one that really had like a real experience within competitive Rocket League, it, like that's why it was a blowout for the majority of the time. And like it obviously played into my own like skills because I had had the experience. But um, yeah, no, it was awesome. Like the whole experience was awesome. Um, playing against different teams across the country. I mean, let alone no one ever thought that the USL, the basically tier two league of the MLS, would be doing an esports tournament. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. So, uh, with the scope of this, was it broadcast anywhere? I mean, how did how did they publicize the tournament? Yeah, so it was all actually on ESPN three. So on online on ESPN, it was broadcasted. Um, they would record the matches the day of, and then go in and do a bunch of behind the scenes stuff, um, and then broadcast them throughout the day. 
Um, yes. Yeah, so I mean, it was, it was pretty cool seeing myself on playing a video game on ESPN. Wow, that's <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing. I'll uh, and Steve, I don't I don't know if you want to take a quick break here. We're kind of at that point, but we can we can definitely take a break and come back if you like. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. A quick break at our usual spot and come back and talk to Trent uh, more about his how all this happened. Uh, U of A student who was a pro soccer player for a month or whatever. That's kind of funny. That's kind of cool. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk to Trent. Hey, welcome back to uh, Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. In with me, my guy, Tom Callahan and Trent Wyland. So, Trent, so how did they find you? You talked a little about it, but how did they find you, or did you go out to search them? I'm talking about um, uh, FC Tucson. FC Tucson, um, after the whole tournament was announced, um, there's basically an online website which tracks all of like the competitive players over the years that have made um, money within like the actual competitive scene of Rocket League. So basically, Cole, who is the guy who's the outreach guy, um, he went on there and just Googled Tucson, Arizona and um, Rocket League. And my name comes up for the University of Arizona team that um, we came in uh, third this past fall. We got flown out to Arlington, Texas for a $100,000 tournament. Um, and then in 2018, like I said earlier, we won the national championship uh, for a $75,000 tournament. So um, that's all scholarship money as well, but that's how he originally found me. And uh, I basically just said, I mean, it's for, it was for a good cause, like I said, for the food bank down here in Tucson. So it worked out in the best interest of everyone. Do you do you get any, or do you reap any rewards from it financially? Uh, from the USL tournament, no. I, I personally did not reap any, um, like, financial gains. But, like, past tournaments, like I said before, where I used to – literally be flown to Arlington, Texas, Santa Ana, California, wow. um, Newark, New Jersey. Um, like some of my buddies are making six-figure salaries playing Rocket League professionally. Wow. Wow. Who would have thought that? That's very uh, impressive. What, what's your major at U of A? Uh, so I double major in criminal justice and public administration, then I minor in Latin American studies. With the hope to do what? Uh, long term, I'm looking to do um, some federal law enforcement, um, like FBI, DEA, CIA, or something along those lines. Um, short term, I've been looking at uh, working within a police department for three to five years before moving to the federal level. Um, already been applying to jobs, and obviously with the whole corona situation, it's a little bit difficult, but everyone's in the same boat as me, so just trying to do what I can do. Trent, I've got a, a question for you as far as with everything that's been going on, obviously a lot of people are spending a lot more time online. Have you found that this is drawing more people? I don't know if you stream or anything like that on your own or if you're allowed to, depending on your contract situation for esports. But um, have you found more people being drawn to games like Rocket League online? Oh, 100%. I mean, it was two days ago, actually, on ESPN2, uh, Saturday it was. They or Sunday, sorry. Uh, Landon Donovan actually casted alongside the professional league casters for Rocket League the the big tournament that was a three hundred fifty five thousand dollar tournament on ESPN two. So Landon Donovan was literally on ESPN two casting Rocket League, which was incredible to watch. I mean, as someone that's just a big like I, I've played baseball my entire life throughout high school, and I've grown into video games as obviously a. Uh, not everyone can go professional in baseball, but um, 
it, it was insane to see something I'm passionate about on ESPN since no one could have ever imagined uh, Rocket League being on ESPN. No, that's that's pretty incredible to see that. You know, and we're kind of at that point right now. I know people are starved for for sports and competition like that. And uh, I know you just talked about your career goals and aspirations, but any thoughts to maybe trying to extend that out a little bit after graduation and and maybe see where that ride will take you for a few years before getting into the the rest of the professional life? Honestly, not really. Like I back freshman sophomore year, I kind of did do that where um I was, like I said before, was making money, being flown out. Uh, I had a little bit of a stream, like streaming following where I have like 11,000 followers on Twitch. Um, so I used to do that a lot. I would make decent money doing that. But I, nowadays, I love hiking. I love just sitting outside, hanging with friends, uh, sitting inside for 50 hours a week playing video games at my desk doesn't really appeal to me as much as it used to, at least. What what would be a, a good payoff? What was your biggest payoff? Um, when we won the national championship, my team won sixteen thousand um, dollars. That was like again, this is all scholarship money, so like that helps pay for um, U of A goes straight to the University sure. of Arizona through Scholarship America. Um, uh, I won back when I got flown out to Santa Ana. Uh, it was a two v two tournament that was run by actually NBC, uh, the news company. Um, I won $4,000 from that, just me personally. Um, but, for example, like the professional scene, the professional Rocket League scene, the RLCS is what it's called, the Rocket League Championship Series. It's a $1.5 million prize pool this coming season, which obviously like that's an incredible amount of money for only eight teams. All right, I've got a question for you on this one because this this is Trent something that I remember at the time when NBC did their tournament. As you said, it was two v two, and I remember there being a lot of flack in the Rocket League community. People were complaining that three on three is the way the game, quote unquote, should be played. Do you have thoughts on that? Uh, the competitive scene of Rocket League has always been three v three, and since uh, like that two v two tournament happened, uh, there was only two seasons of it, and they actually canceled it because. Uh, the lack of following. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I've always been a 3v3 guy. All the tournaments I always played in, uh, besides that one NBC tournament, we're all 3v3. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just preferable because it's just what everyone's used to at this point. The game's been out for five, six years. So that's just where it's at. Is there um, – I, I obviously hadn't seen it until I got the, the clip from Laura. Um, is there a strategy to it? How did you become so good? I mean, if you like look at it large scale, I have 4,000 hours put into that game. So, obviously, it's like any <laughs> sport in comparison. If you put in a lot of time, you'll get good. And as time went on, um, everyone learned easier ways to do things, watching YouTube videos, and just practicing. I, I used my same work ethic that I had back when I was a high school baseball player. I was a pitcher. Um, and I used that same work ethic and just practiced, uh, got good, started making money, and uh, found out it wasn't what I loved to do and have since found my passion within criminal justice and want to find a job somewhere out uh, in the law enforcement. So, Trent, I, I may have missed this if you did say this earlier. Uh, where are you from? Are you from Tucson or somewhere else? No, I'm actually from uh, Naperville, Illinois, the Chicagoland area. Uh, grew up there. Um, had a cousin, actually, that was out here going to U of A. She was in the doctoral program for microbiology. Um, she gave me a really good tour and brought me around. 
couple parties as well, which obviously helps. But, uh, I mean, I, I fell in love with Tucson. Um, like I said before, I love hiking. So going up the mountains, uh, going to all the canyons in the area. Um, I've been up camp to the Grand Canyon multiple times over my years at the U of A. Um, and I've, I've loved every moment here in Arizona. Um, I'm actually looking at a couple jobs up in the Phoenix area. Probably won't stay in Tucson, but, um, yeah, that, that's where I grew up and then how I came here. It's it's funny. Uh, how did the uh, FC Tucson people uh, like my boy Jonathan Perlin uh, bring you in and kind of uh, now that you're you brought him some recognition? How has that been? Oh, I mean, especially in this time where there's not much. Like even John was telling me, hey, <laughs> right. all he's doing right now is just a bunch of paperwork. And like the one fun thing he said he was doing was uh, this esports thing and just watching me kick everyone's butt. So he's enjoyed it. Um, obviously, the recognition throughout USL has been awesome. Um, but, I mean, it's just, it's a rough time, obviously, because I'm a huge sports fan. Everyone's a huge sports fan. So it's just nice to give everyone at least a little something to, to follow. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I play a little poker, and I play a lot because, or play a little because of, um, I love competition. And people who compete love to compete. You must have loved to compete because of this if you were a former athlete like a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a extremely competitive person. My family, my friends, um, like even at my brother's wedding, which was uh, right before this whole Corona stuff happened in February, I threw into my best man speech a couple jokes about how our family. We always have arguments about how I'm overly competitive, which is good and bad. Um, whenever I have the opportunity to really do something. Um, competitive and be in a team environment or something along those lines, I'll always take up that opportunity and try and make the most of it. It's just something that I right, enjoy doing. Right, right, cool. Yeah, no question. So is there anything next uh, regarding this uh, this competition before you kind of your real world hits? Uh, I mean, not really. Uh, at least not that I see right now. Um, USL, I think, or at least... Um, I think they were talking about doing a FIFA tournament. So, like, just, like, actual soccer instead of Rocket League. Um, we'll look at that, but I'm not actually the best FIFA player out there. I, I really just play Rocket League nowadays just when I'm looking for something to do. Uh, still have Zoom classes and everything, obviously. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really see much more gaming in my future. Uh, more just, like, as a casual thing, to be honest. Yeah, and you're done here in a couple of weeks with U of A? Yeah, I graduate um, what's supposed to be May 15th, but obviously uh, all graduations are canceled. Um, still will be getting my degree, obviously, but um, homecoming weekend, I don't know if you heard about that. University of Arizona rescheduled their graduation for that weekend. Uh, it's the same weekend as Halloween, uh, October 29th and 30th. So that'll be a crazy weekend here in Tucson, I promise you that. You have to come back, I guess, no matter where you're at, even if you're in the DEA, FBI, or whatever it is. Uh-huh. Oh, no, I'm, I'm planning on it. I mean, my family was all planning on coming out. Uh, I have a brother, actually, that was graduating from NYU uh, with his master's the same time uh, time frame as me. But obviously his was canceled as well, and they're doing something similar. So hopefully my family will still be able to make it out. Uh, I'll be able to make it out to his and everything. Um, but, yeah, considering the situation, I'm glad they at least uh, have accommodated all of us seniors uh, decently well. So, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see how it goes. It'll be better to, to graduate then. The weather will be perfect. You'll be fine. It won't be 110. Hey, Trent, thanks for coming on the show. Good luck to you. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, stay healthy, everyone. I appreciate it.
Good luck to you. Good, good, good head on your shoulders. And congrats at 2FC Tucson and to Trent Weiland. Uh, good, cool. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate it. Uh, you know about this, don't you there, Mr. Tom Callahan? I do, actually. And and uh, so, Steve, I'm, I mean, I've been playing video games since Pong came out. Um, a lot, you know, people watch TV and, and people like to go to movies and stuff. Well, I've always been a video game player and a book reader. So that's that's kind of my thing. And I, I actually, I enjoy Rocket League. It's fun. It's little cars driving around and you, you're hitting a soccer ball inside of this. I'll just, for simplicity's sake, call it a domed arena. And there's a goal on each end, and you try to score, <laughs> and it's fun. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that today. I says, "Really, people do this?" And you know, what do I know? Wow! And then you make pretty good money from it. Oh, yeah, it's esports is incredible, Steve. The way it's growing is mind blowing. Um, a, a couple of years ago, I thought about maybe and Rocket League was one of the games. I thought, well, I could call that. It's pretty much like soccer or hockey, which I've called both. Um, and at the time, the guy, I, I had an agent who said, eh, I don't know, that might tarnish your brand a little bit because it wasn't thought of as legitimate. But now this stuff is legitimate and people are making money and careers out of what is now called esports. Yeah, well. Who would have known? Who would have known? I got to hang around uh, Tom Callahan every oh. now and again. Hey, I didn't even you. know, Steve. I didn't even know. So, <laughs> oh, for the competition? Yeah, yeah, who, yeah, who yeah. Knew? it's like those. It's like those. Uh, the battle of the of the robots and the little battle bots or whatever you call those things. In the, in <laughs> yeah, the arena. that's fun to watch too. Uh, yeah, yeah. See who gets destroyed. See, I I should have I should have read more and and been more of a geek. Aren't they going to inherit the world? The meek. Not the geek, the meek. The meek will. The meek the will geek. inherit. No, the I'm meek. saying the the geek, the geek, and the meek will inherit the world. We get, see. You don't. You don't. You're not wearing your Steve Dakota ring. It's the geek too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, let's take a quick break. I think we're gonna we're gonna get uh, Bruce Pasco on the other side. I love talking to Bruce. Uh, he's got uh, uh, some thoughts on the recruiting classes that Miller's chasing down. So we'll talk to him and see what's going on. Hey, welcome back to Iron the Ball here on Ten Three The Voice. I'm your host Steve Rivera. In with me now is good friend, my guy Bruce Pascoe. How are you of the Arizona Daily Star? Pretty good. How's it going, Steve? Fine, thank you. Let me see if 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 I'm accurate with the Sean Miller Brigade. You're probably in Tahiti chasing a seven foot five center. <laughs> he is. Well, he might be. Well, I mean, if you can find a plane at this point, I guess with the way things are, they're doing it all over uh, Zoom or whatever. But, you know, he's uh, the, the funny thing about it this spring has been like somebody surfaces on the radar, a day later he gets an offer, and then two days after that he commits. And it's like, okay. So and now they've got a pretty full roster. It's, it's been moving really, really quick. Uh, guys who have been in the States, too, though, a couple at least, right? They don't need an interpreter to, to see what Sean is telling them to get on the block and to, to take a jumper. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you know, I mean, that they're lucky that, uh, that English is sort of the universal language of basketball, at least for the most part. So all the guys speak it, but they just, you know, they're communicating with uh, letting them know how they use similar players, and you know they're they're talking a lot about their their past and how you know and and I think right now it's actually almost you know this, the the guy who just committed to Bet Gorner he was talking about the fact that he was kind of excited that other guys he had played in Europe have committed to Arizona so it's like the the international class is building on itself it's it's really uh, 
sort of unprecedented around here. I mean, they've always had international players, but not to this level. Okay, so let me ask you, because you've been covering this, uh, Sean, for the day-to-day more than anybody. I've been around a little uh, uh, less than you. Uh, okay, so we're going to do this on the, on the uh, scale that I'm going to come up with. The uh, Lori Marketing scale, the Dusan Ristic scale, or the... Yeah. Uh, the uh, the the not the the uh, what's his name and I had his name the first guy Kirill uh, Kirill Narasco okay so yeah. we're gonna measure him against these guys so where does where does the uh, Tibet or Tibet uh, fit in you know he's probably gonna be at least from what little I can tell so far probably the least uh, highly regarded of those international players and that's not to say he doesn't have some upside he's six foot eight and apparently he's a pretty decent shooter. And a good ball handler and a, a, a smart guy, you know, a smart guy on the court. So you know, he might have a chance to develop into something. Um, but he's he's not strong and probably not good defensively. I don't see him playing a big role right away. Maybe just a little bit here and there or something. But uh, you know, I think Markinen's kind of you know you know is Markinen's the exception to the rule. I mean, he was he was you know you, you think about all the the big guys or especially international guys, especially international big guys like Kirill. And you remember all the hype about them and how great they were supposed to be and just never reached that level. Whereas Markinen came in and it was kind of like, okay, he sounds pretty good, but he was way better than anybody thought. I think he was better than the coaches even thought. And apparently he's even better than his dad thought because his dad who had to play pro basketball in Europe thought he was going to be a two-year player. So, so I don't think any of these guys measure up to him, but that's, that's also a really difficult Standard, so you know, I think maybe um, you know, maybe maybe uh, a guy like between- like uh, Bacho, uh, you know, and and Chris, a uh, different position being a point guard, but maybe those two guys can develop into that wristage level player. I think that's very possible if they stick around. And, and right. Chris so may be able to Daniel, help. He may be able uh, to help uh, right away. Whereas Dusan, we know Dusan had liabilities, especially uh, defensively, uh, you know, early in his career where he couldn't even be trusted. But I think Carice is going to be out there quite a bit. He might even be giving a battle to Kenjo from point guard. That's, you know, what it sounds like anyway. Right, right. And, and, and Bacho maybe, maybe play a little? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, you know, um, right now they got four post guys for those two spots. So, you know, he might be the fourth of those four. But uh, but that means, you know, he still might get some minutes here and there, kind of like Coloco did this year, uh, you know, when they're in foul trouble or there's a matchup problem or something like that. Um, but, you know, as of as of right now, um, you know, Jordan Brown's probably ahead of him. And uh, Ira Lee certainly got the most experience. And Coloco, has, as we saw, a huge upside. And, you know, well, it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But, but Bacho maybe again, if these guys – stay patient and they can stay with this program and we know that doesn't always happen but uh you know if he can stick around you know two or three years it sounds like he really has something uh some upside as well what about uh, the benedict kid the uh is it Mathurin? you know it's funny i was talking to uh josh gerson from 24 7 the other day about him and i he's having trouble we're we're all having trouble uh, figuring out exactly how good he can be he definitely has a really big ceiling, uh, a really high ceiling in that he's 6'6", super athletic, can kind of jump out of the gym a little like Josh Green, but he's not nearly as skilled 
maybe as Green or some guys like that have been, and he's he's not a good shooter at this point, but he's he's getting better at it. You know, so um, it would be interesting to see. Maybe right away he can help him, especially if he can hold his own defensively. He certainly would seem to have the the uh, the the body and the 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 athleticism to become a really good defender. But you know how it is with Miller; it's going to be is he going to do it defensively? And if he's not, he's not going to play. But he, um, you know, he has that potential. It kind of maybe a little bit bigger, but kind of reminds me a little bit about Justin Simon. You know, the the guy they had a few years ago who was really oh, yeah. raw and super athletic and spark. You know, kind of like um, a spark plug kind of guy. Um, and then, but he didn't play defense to Miller's specifications and didn't get to play much. And at the end of the year, transferred, and then he, he turned into the Big East Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, this guy, you know, could be something like that. It seems like he's he's a high motor guy too, and they're just going to have to control him and see what he turns into. And then at the same token, again, you know, somebody like him is also going to have to have patience. I, I don't know what opportunity he's going to get it probably helps him that they missed on Kerwin Walton, frankly, because I think Walton could have taken a lot of time at three at the small four spot. But now they're looking at uh, Matherin and Terry kind of being their their main two threes with, with unless they want to move one of the guards to the three, which is very possible, of course, too. I don't know if you want to go out on a limb. Um, I, I have a limb to go on if you'd like. Uh, Williams, do you 50-50, 60-40 that he will or won't come back? You know, I, I mean, I guess the longer it goes, maybe the better it looks for Arizona. But, um, yeah, I kind of thought right after the season, and I haven't had anything to change my mind, I kind of think it's 75% he's gone. But you never know. I think – the impression I got, and, and his stepdad uh, remarked about this a little bit, is that if he's healthy, which they expect him to be, does he want to go play pro somewhere? And it would probably have to be at a mid or lower level. But you know, I think I think everyone around him is thinking, you know, he may only have a certain amount of miles left on his knee, and you know, if he can't find a good pro contract somewhere, maybe go and see if he can develop there. And you know, make some money in the meanwhile, and you know, more power to him if he can do that. You know, so I, I kind of think he'll come back if, if a he's not 100% healthy yet, or b if he is healthy but can't find a suitable deal and decides he's going to come back to Arizona and sort of help his stock that way. And, he, and that that is possible, but uh, you know, it, it appears the way they're recruiting uh, and everything I've heard that they certainly don't count. They're they're certainly not counting on that. I think at this point, it's kind of a bonus if they have him. Yeah, so they have one more to give, correct? Yeah, yeah, and two if Williams doesn't come back. Yeah, and and the the yeah, I think you're aware. They there's still some buzz that maybe there's they're looking to add another big man because it, it does sound like that Gorner is more of a of a wing, a big wing than a than a post. So they really only have four posts, and I think Miller typically would feels more comfortable if he can have five because that will allow him, you know, in case there is injuries or foul trouble, whereas four is kind of, you know, the the minimum, I think, for them. Right. Uh, so, uh, I, this might be a dumb question because you could say, uh, were you surprised at all when news broke that uh, that Jason Terry is the likely assistant coach? 
Well, I mean, there was there's been rumors about it for a while, and I did think it was odd the way all of a sudden all these Seattle players are popping up on the radar. It's like what you know, right? <laughs> right. I mean, there's. I mean, they're granted they're very good players apparently in the high school junior class, the class of twenty one. Um, so it's not surprising they would go after him. But all of a sudden, like Paulo Banchero is like a five star player. He had like a top nine. He had already narrowed down. All of a sudden, he pops in Arizona, and it's like, well, how did that happen? And and then and then. Terrell Brown got a, uh, decided he was going to transfer from Seattle U on a I think on a Friday and literally by Monday he had committed or whatever it was like four days, so that I, you know and that you know there's been speculation that behind the scenes that that maybe Terry had some influence whether or not he was actively talking to those guys or whatever just being as a possible guy who might join him. Yeah, but it, so there was that, and then and then there there has been there's certainly been indication that he's sort of patched up his relationship with Miller and the the program. It's been a little strained at times, so there was that, and then it does seem like maybe he maybe he wants to be a um, you know maybe he wants to get his foot into coaching, and this would be as good a place as any to start because he could be an assistant coach at a high major, and that's not easy to do. I mean, you know, most people, as you know, are like. You got to be an ops guy somewhere. Or you got to start at a, a mid-major as an assistant before you can even get a job here. So if, if he were to get a job here, it'd be a good step right away for him. And then, and then on Miller's side of it, it's a little odd because he usually hires guys with more experience. But it's Jason Terry, and you know, obviously, got some great recruiting credibility being from Seattle and playing 19 years in the league, but also. Um, you know, a guy that, that fans know and, you know, his jersey's on the wall. So it makes sense that way, but it does seem a little odd, you know, just um, experience-wise and not, you know, I'm not sure how well he knows Miller. And so there there may be, you know, there may be a little process there if, if he is indeed hired. Yeah, no question. I thought it to be interesting uh, when I first heard about it a while back. And, and I'm thinking, well, he has his daughters, and he's really into their coaching, and they're growing up in the AAU and, and all that. So I, I don't know if they're coming with him because he lives in Dallas, uh, you know, to become basketball players here because uh, that's a big-time deal over there in Dallas. So there's a lot of yeah. things. Um, obviously, uh, it'll, help, uh, it'll help the program. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a – you know, who knows which way it's going to ultimately be, but I think certainly for the short term, it seems like a why not kind of thing. I mean, this is a program that kind of needs a, a PR boost, and, and here's a guy who, you know, a lot of people yes. like and got a lot of great experiences, and, you know, um, yeah, so maybe it's appealing that way, and, you know, who knows? Maybe he winds up being not only a good recruiter, but also a guy that, that players can turn to, and, and I think that um you know there's you know i think that, that that's been a little lacking just um some of the you yes. know having that guy like what book richardson was and i'm not saying he would be like that but just that guy that the players maybe feel more comfortable in or can relate to or whatever just just you know and and it, it's just tough to say so it could be that i just i you know, i don't know which which way it's going to go and and it is interesting though you're right about his daughters and and you know he had he had been a you know, he had basically been running a, um, a girls' club team in Dallas, so he'd shown interest that way. And um, you know, and maybe he does want to. The thing I always wonder, I'm sure you do, is like when you get a guy like him or like Damon Stoudemire, for example. It's always the question of here's guys that made a hundred million dollars in the NBA. Do they really want to come to Arizona and be an assistant coach and work a hundred hours a week? I mean, that's you know, most guys with that much money in the bank don't <laughs> want to do that. 
but uh, but Damon was the Jim Rat and is, as you know, more than anybody. And uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe Jason's going to be that way as well. Right, right. I think it's a marriage made of convenience and kind of uh, for the time being. But I think you're right in, in comparison with Book being a guy there to help the kids along. Arizona Lute had his guy with Roz. Uh, Sean had his yeah. book, and maybe he'll find it again. It, that no, you can't, and you know this because you've been in the business a long time. It's almost you can't even tell how important that is because it's so important. It is, and I think it really gets uh, over. Uh, understated, um, you know, partly because the head coaches are so visible, but I just know from when I've seen guys walking off the court or practice or certainly on the recruiting scene, I mean, everywhere you went, Book Richardson, guys were hugging him. They just come up and hug him like he was Uncle Book to everybody. And and you just, I mean, right, right, you know, and you saw the support. Even even Andre Iguodala was tweeting kind of supportive Book, and he, he didn't play for Book, but just people just know about him. And and that's nothing to say. I mean, Arizona's had a lot of great assistants that bring a lot to the table. It's just. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes that little extra personal relationship can be a, a really big factor, especially you figure, you know, a guy who maybe had a rough day in practice, didn't do well, you know, got beaten down or whatever, and then maybe you can turn to one of the assistants and, and just blow off some steam. And there's just there's a lot to be said for that. And, and I don't know. I mean, there's been a number of reasons that this team has faced uh, a lot of sort of pressure in odd circumstances off the court, but um, but one of them is that they, you know, maybe maybe lacked a little bit of that as more than more than ever, and at a time when they probably could have used it with all the adversity that they've been facing. But that being said, Book Richardson was the guy who was involved in in uh, in getting a lot of that uh, stuff that that's been sort of hanging around the program. So there's that as well, of course. Yeah, no question. So there's that saying, Arizona basketball doesn't sleep or never sleeps. You know what that means? Bruce Pascal will not sleep as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and especially these international guys, I think um, uh, Bacho committed at like, I think it was four in the morning, our time or something. (laughs) So like, you literally don't sleep. And uh, even the other day, I think it was 8 8 a.m. And then there was one late at night and you just, you just never know. Um, and uh, really, uh, since the season ended abruptly there on the uh, 11th of March, it's, um, I mean, it's literally been a full-time job just covering all this stuff. And I knew it would be because of all the spots they had to fill because every guy, every spot they had to fill, you know how it is, there's like three or four stories about speculation about each guy, and then eventually they commit, and there's another story there. And then, you know, and then on top of it, they had Justin Ganey leave and, and then the speculation about Jason Terry. So there's been a lot of news and you know, there's still some more to go here. It'll slow down pretty soon, but uh, but there's still there's still some more to go. Who says there's not sports? I see it every day. Yeah, I mean, and, Bruce, yeah, thanks for joining not, me. Not appreciate. It. I always and, appreciate talking to you. Yeah, and absolutely, Steve. Because I mean, I was going to say not not complaining at all because this is a you know this is a good time to be. We're all stuck at home working, so at least there's a lot to work on that way. So it's actually been kind of interesting to to go through it at this time. Job security, Bruce. Job security. You gotta love it. Well, Thank I don't you, know about Bruce. That, but, Take you care. Know, that was Bruce okay. Pasco. Right. Thank you. That was Bruce Pasco of the Arizona Daily Star. We'll come back here for our final break here on KBOI.
Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. It's always good to talk to my guy, Bruce. Uh, it's funny, when he was in Vegas uh, covering the Running Rebels, I was here covering the Arizona Wildcats full-time, and he was over there. I always kind of said, let's trade jobs. I'll go over there. You come here, and, and we'll see what we do. Uh, now, I've competed with him about 10, 15, 20 years now. Uh, Bruce is a good guy. So, hey, uh, Tom, I saw a story earlier today. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, he, yeah, he has a history with Michael Jordan. You know that, right? It's kind of like a competitive big-time yes. love-hate or whatever you want to call it. So, y- y- you know, um, let's go there. Let's go somewhere else real first. Who are the best basketball players you've seen in your lifetime? And you've probably seen them more on TV than you have in person. I have. I've, I've caught a few NBA games in person. Uh, I did see, I want to say it was the two, yeah, 07-08 season. I got to see uh, the Lakers against the Cavaliers. That was vintage Kobe and Le- LeBron head-to-head. Um, I actually did get to see the Showtime Lakers live. My dad took me when I was a little kid. They were barnstorming the country, and they came to Buffalo. So I did get to see Magic and Kareem live. Um, I still think Magic is one of the most incredible players ever to watch. Um, so I would – that 80s era of basketball, that's where a lot of my favorite guys are. And obviously Michael Jordan is one of the most dominant players. Um, just because I didn't like Jordan, I didn't like the Bulls, doesn't mean I don't respect – what the guy did. He was pretty incredible. Yeah, okay, so you're going to go with who first? Give me your top three. Oh, all right. You're going to make me give you a top three, Steve. This is tough. Um, all right, I got to put Magic in there just because he was always always my favorite. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say um, I think Jordan has to go in there, uh, at least over the course of what I've watched. And then... Uh, you know what? I, a guy who I really love watching and I think is supremely talented, I'm not going to pick LeBron. I'm going to pick Steph Curry. I think Curry is is an incredible basketball player. I love watching him. Uh, I, I think he's he's got to be in my top three. Yeah. No, that's a good pick. It's a surprise pick, but that's a good pick. Um, and I'm asking you, asking you for a reason because uh, they asked um, Isaiah Thomas who his top three were and, and Michael Jordan was at number four. With uh, Kareem, number one, which understandable. I think people who were watching basketball back in those days, even before that, Chamberlain maybe in the top five, yeah. whatever. Uh, Larry Bird, of course, very, very good. He wouldn't make my top four, but fantastic player, obviously. Uh, Magic, uh, so it's Kareem, Bird, Magic, Jordan, and then Dr. J. Or D- Dr. J was my favorite player growing up. I was towards the end of Dr. J's career when I really started to follow basketball. Um Kareem, I mean, I can agree with that, but I kind of missed out on the Wilt Chamberlain era. I wasn't uh, wasn't around for a lot of it, quite honestly. And then uh, towards the end of his career, I just wasn't following basketball at that point yet. Yeah, no, I get it. Uh, I'm not sure. It would probably be Magic number one, and, and not to slight uh, LeBron. I, I just think that he's um, he, he's fantastic. Obviously, winner, tough guy, smart guy. Maybe two or three, but um, lucky enough to, to cover Magic Johnson and, and Kareem during that late 80s run back in the day. I was just a kid having fun. Uh, but uh, basketball, Michael Jordan to me is just fantastic. Just fantastic. Uh, didn't like to lose. You said you hate to lose, right? You're one of those Ab- Absolutely. Guys. I'm I'm a very competitive guy. Yeah. In everything? Um, Almost everything. There There are things, Steve, as I've gotten older, I've learned to let go. And uh, and I have to for my sanity's sake and and to keep the hair on my head. <laughs> the most important part. 
Golf was one of them. I used to be ultra competitive with golf, and now I don't even keep score, and I'm much happier. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. You you talked about that. Did you see that the G League has got another guy going to it, that $500,000 G League? I did. Uh, That was Nick's, right, from UCLA? Yeah. mm -hmm. You're going to see more and more guys go. Oh, I'm sure you are. I No doubt. Especially now, it's such a weird quote unquote off season. You were talking at the top of the show about uh, Steve Kerr and the Warriors operating as if their season is over and they're in off season mode. I think, Steve, a lot of guys, the mindset, whether they're college uh, or even deciding to commit or coming out of high school, hey, if they're good enough to jump to the G League, why wouldn't you? What What is the point of going to college? And I say this as a college graduate. What's the point of going if your ultimate goal is to go to the NBA? What prepares you better, college basketball, which may not play next year, or the G League, which you're pretty sure is going to end up playing? Yeah, no question. Um, it's like the Europeans uh, that come here uh, now. They're almost ready or, or very ready to play because they're fundamentally sound. They play all day. It's kind of like a job to them. School is secondary, although they're very bright as well. But, you know, you, when you play, like Trent was talking about earlier, he's played 4,000 hours of, of, of that uh, USL, whatever. Tell me what it is. Rocket League. Rocket League. Yes. yes. Uh, so, and it's obvious, it's repetition. It's motor mechanics. It's it's doing it and doing it and doing it. And in the G League, that's what they'll do. That's their job. So you get better by doing the same thing, uh, obviously, all the time. And that's the other thing, Steve. Excellent point, because they are basketball players full-time in the G League. So your job is to go to the gym. Your job is to work on your shot. Your job is to to learn your playbook. Your That's your job. Whereas, you know, if you come to school at Arizona, let's say, um, you're a student athlete. The word student comes first, and I know it doesn't necessarily for some people, but you have to go to classes. That's your job. You have to study and write papers and do all that. That's your job. And then, oh, by the way, you're also supposed to play basketball. Yeah, no question, no question. So you're going to get, you should be getting better in the G League because that's what you do, and 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 how much time and effort you put into it. You know, you you have people who do do it, don't do it often, don't do it enough, don't do it hard enough. And in college, you can kind of see that people don't get better uh, when they when they show up here. They just kind of stay stagnant and they don't get better uh, basketball players or even IQ guys. You know, you can become a better IQ guy by by studying and uh, and watching a lot of film. I don't know if there's enough of those guys. Now, you know what? They used to talk about those guys who were the very cerebral players and all that. And I, I feel like you don't hear that as much. It may not. It may just be anecdotal that you don't hear about it as much, but I feel like there was more of that before. Yeah, yeah. In fact, not that I would go after a guy here recruiting-wise, but to me that would be very important if I'm a coach and if you have, obviously if you can play and if you're very smart about it, because uh, it's almost you can't teach that. I know it's funny, either you're born with it. That's why coaches' sons are so good. They know where to be, time, temperament, uh, stuff like that, uh, time and circumstance, if you will. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I agree, too, with, you know, in some sports, some positions, if you played that as a player, it lends you to being a better manager and or coach like catchers yeah. in baseball. No question. In fact, I would assume that and I say this, not assume I would say this, that many of the good coaches weren't great players because they they spend most of the time on the bench watching while the guys and the players are spending their time playing. Yeah, and the superstars cannot translate it uh, a lot right. of times as a coach. How do you know how to do this? I don't know. I just did it. Just did it, right? I was that like, good. 
It's like Jordan. I mean, how come you can't be me? Well, there's only one you, man. There's only one you. That's it. Yeah. We're good to go. We are. Good to see you. Okay, Tom, uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. See what's on store. Uh, Good show today. Thanks, everybody. Take care.